0: laughing y'all and and, and it's it's funny because y'all understood what they were talking about some of y'all might have understood what they were talking about um I'm gonna let y'all know when I preach a lot of times I'm talking from the heart so I've written words but my heart wants to say something um Annie told me I was going to preach on Pentecost Sunday about two maybe three months ago and I was really looking forward to giving that sermon So all the messages I've given this um, morning, I was really looking forward to just focusing on that. However, about a month ago, Annie says that uh, we're doing a sermon series on the Ten Commandments. I was like, oh, cool, all right. And then I didn't really pay attention to the calendar, but Annie says, and then your commandment is uh, do not commit adultery. And um, I am going to represent some of you who may struggle. I wanted to run away from this sermon. Andy talked about um, the Sabbath and him being a workaholic was one of his struggles. The the angle I'm going to go in with this commandment, that's my sin. I genuinely really wanted to do the Pentecost sermon. The Pentecost sermon would have been easy, quote-unquote easy. It would have been easier than this. Uh, Even when Andy said... um, And he even gave me the option. He says, it is Pentecost Sunday. Would you rather do the Pentecost focus or the adultery focus? And I had the opportunity to run away like Jonah. And for those of you who are here for my Jonah sermon, I I would have ended up somehow, some way back where I'm supposed to be. So instead of me trying to run away like Jonah and potentially end up in a well, I just say, let me go ahead and be obedient and do what I'm supposed to do. So I come to you um, very genuine, very faithful, and vulnerable, speaking from a place of sincerity. Amen? All right, so the seventh commandment is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Straight to the point, you must not commit adultery. Uh, If I looked in a uh, dictionary for the definition of adultery, voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and someone other than their lawful spouse. Simple, straight to the point. Um, if I kept it at a definition, I'd be good. But in case you haven't recognized, um, the Ten Commandments are not that simple. In case you haven't recognized, at least for the past six weeks or five weeks when Andy's giving the sermons, um, any time he'll say the commandment, I don't know if you're like me, but you're sitting there like, I don't have to worry about that. And then he'll keep on talking, like, ah, snap, you're talking about me. For example, and I just want to get a survey, so last week was... I'm not, I'm not going to do what he did where he quizzed you the entire week because I might mess up. But I can remember a week ago, last week, what was the commandment for last week? Thou should not kill. So if you were like me when he said thou should not kill, I'm like, we don't have any murderers in here. I think we're in the clear. Like, all you got to say is, Andy, there's really horrible people who kill, and you all don't kill, so job well done, people. But no. Um, apparently, you know, your hateful language is what causes you to commit that sin, um, to break that commandment. So, heads up, buckle up. If you feel like my definition of adultery is, oh, I don't have to worry about that, Um, get ready for a ride. So, here we go. I'm starting with Jesus' interpretation, all right? So, even though in Exodus it says, do not commit adultery, and I gave you the dictionary definition of adultery, let's see what Jesus has to say about it. Matthew chapter 5 Verses 27 through 28, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Just by looking with evil intentions, just by looking and thinking, you've committed adultery in your heart. This is a struggle for many of us, and I, and I really believe some of y'all are sitting in the pews like, I'm glad you're saying it, not me. That's why I said, so I'm gonna represent you, for some of you who are sitting or watching online. Um, this is the main reason I wanted to avoid this message. Um, we tend to separate our intentions from our actions. Don't you agree? Like, if we didn't do it, even though we were thinking it, we're in the clear. And we like to feel like we're, um, we're better about that. Um, it's like being proud of that shiny um, space-age metal trash can. Who has that really shiny trash can in their kitchen? That super shiny? Really? For those of you online, no one raised their hand. And I'm actually curious for those of you online, just say, yes, I do. So let's start over. Raise your hand if you would like that shiny trash can. I want the shiny trash. Nobody wants the tra- shiny trash can. What's wrong with the shiny trash can? As a matter of fact, I'm pausing the sermon. Somebody, what's wrong with the shiny trash can? Fingerprints? It doesn't stay shiny? I respect that. You do have to clean it. Okay, all right. So if those of you online, so I just found out why no one raised their hand. They said because of fingerprints, you've got to keep on cleaning it. My wife already hand. we want the shiny trash can, all right? The reason we like that shiny trash can is because even though your kitchen might be a mess, And even though you got all that garbage, it still looks nice on the outside. But the problem with that shiny trash can is even though it's nice and shiny and clean on the outside, it's still a lot of garbage on the inside. Even though it's clean and fancy and space-age metal, what's on the inside still stinks. So us separating our actions from our intentions, you're neglecting the fact that your intentions are on the inside and it can still stink. Um, Even though you're not doing something wrong with your physical, what's the problem with just thinking it? Even though you haven't even committed the act, what's wrong with just dealing with it on the inside? I mean, like, as long as it doesn't manifest on the outside, I assume we're good. I assume that. But on the contrary and he spoke on this last week, it's the inside that matters the most. It's the heart that matters the most. And when I'm writing this sermon and I'm learning as I write it, I always want to like, no, that can't be the case. But when you read and you truly analyze, it's like, you can't even argue. I'm in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So I just started off by saying, as long as you don't act on it, you should be in the clear. But Proverbs chapter 4: guard your heart, it determines the course of your life. You are where you are based off a million decisions. Every single day, every single moment, you're always making some decision that led you to where you are. But the decision, the decision you came to, was reached because of where your heart was. Think about your career. Whether you were someone who put their heart into their work, that's how you got far in your career. Whether you're somebody that hasn't put too much focus on money or you more concerned about family, that's where your heart that took you to the trajectory of your career. Think about your family, your relationships. Were you somebody who felt neglected so your heart was broken in the past, which causes you to have broken relationships? Were you somebody whose heart is looking for love so desperate that it causes you to have too many relationships? Bottom line, no matter where you are, it is the inside that matters most because your heart determines the course of your life. The heart is vital. So if God tells us, do not commit adultery. And Jesus says, just by thinking about it, you've committed adultery with your heart. What are we to do? The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans a piece that I really want you all to remember. So if you don't get anything else from this sermon, I really want you to get this fact. As a matter of fact, um, I had a hard time writing the sermon. I told you all once I knew I had to write about I didn't know the direction, and I genuinely didn't feel worthy enough to deliver this message. But once I read this section from Paul, from the book of Romans chapter seven, verses 21 through 25, I felt like I wasn't alone. Romans chapter seven, verses 21 through 25, Paul's words. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. The key phrase from that passage, I have discovered this principle of life. If you go to the King James Version, it says um, it's a law. And if you go to the um, Common English Bible, it says it is a rule. So just like the law of gravity, what goes up must come down. It is a law, it is a key principle of life. I want to do what is right, but I inevitably do what is wrong. You're not alone. For those of you sitting and internalizing all the words I'm saying and going through your history and going through your Rolodex, you are not alone. Now, if obedience was easy, church would last five minutes. I could just say, here are the 10 Commandments, and hey, you all be good and follow the Ten Commandments and we go home and the world be a happier place. But church does not last five minutes and the world is not as happy as we wish it would be. So, what are we supposed to do? Back to verses twenty two, twenty three. 23 I love God's law with all my heart but there is another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. So, It's not easy to be obedient. It's a challenge. In some capacity, even though I'm focusing on the seventh commandment, in some capacity we're all sinners. What are we going to do about it? It is not easy to be obedient, and we want to be obedient. So what can we do? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in the second gear. We're going to get serious about defeating our sin. We're going to get our hands dirty. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to war against our sin. i repeat that one more time. We are going to war against our sin. If adultery, whether physical or mental, whether tangible or something in your heart is your sin, I need you to treat it like you're at war because guess what? You are. The enemy is watching you, and the enemy's laughing at you. The enemy's laughed at me. The enemy is watching you sin, and then you apologize, and then you do it again. Then you sin, and then you apologize, and then you do it again. You just, like, you, you keep claiming you're trying to do something about it. You keep claiming like you're trying to fix it, and the just watching. Like, I got this little sucker. I got him. Oh, 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 you was, oh, you're sorry? You asked for forgiveness? Okay, just for you to do it again. We need to do something different. We need to stop. It's ridiculous and it's silly to keep on doing the same thing. So let's go to war. Here's how we're going to go to war. Paul said in verse 25, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. But I'm going to keep it real. And I love the enthusiasm. There's some people who are sitting and listening for me to say, the answer is Jesus Christ. And you're going to look at me and say, awesome. But well, that's a Sunday school answer. Yeah, I, I, I knew that. I am 20-something, 30-something, 40, 50-something years old, and I always know Jesus Christ is the answer. But what does that mean? What is the next step? Give me something more tangible. Give me something with more meat on the bone, something that I can physically do. Give me an actual game plan. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ is the answer. If you truly follow his teachings, and not just the easy, fun part, not just, oh, come to church? Awesome, I can do that. I follow Jesus Christ. I'm talking about truly follow Jesus's teachings. When you truly let go of your will and let thy will be done, you'll have a better life. So let's get more specific. We're going to war, and we need a winning strategy. So I'm going to get my winning strategy from the general Jesus Christ. I'm going to get my winning strategy from the commander Jesus Christ. I'm going to get my winning strategy from Jesus, who's won every single battle he's ever encountered. I'm going to get my winning strategy from Jesus, who, got the, who won the ultimate battle. He conquered death. So if you're going to trust someone's advice, I'm going to trust Jesus' advice. And here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 through 30. Now this is going to be heavy. Y'all stay with me. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. This morning, we are in the business of guarding hearts and saving souls. This morning, I will repeat myself, we are in the business of guarding hearts and saving souls. Your heart, your soul, and your salvation is more important than any fleeting desire, worldly desire you may have. Your heart is a prize that must be protected by any means necessary. But here's the thing. I know I say by any means necessary. In my opinion, my interpretation, I don't think we're literally supposed to gouge out our eyes and literally cut off our hands. I don't believe that. But let me pose a rhetorical question to you all, all right? If I said for the sake of honoring God, For the sake of saving your soul, all right, so you have the opportunity. Judgment Day has come, and you can can save your soul then and there. Which would you rather do? If you had a choice, if you had a choice, which, which would you rather do? Would you rather gouge out your eyes or delete whatever app is causing you to sin? For the sake of saving your soul, which would you rather do? Cut off your hand or stop going to places? that you know you're not supposed to be. Stop hanging around certain people that you know lead you into temptation. I'm going to put this in perspective. I think Jesus is basically saying there's some important things that you know is causing trouble. I don't literally mean gouge out your eyes. Your eyes cause you to see. Your hands cause you to hold things. I'm talking about take away the things that you know cause you to sin. When you know something is the source of your sin, cut it out, eliminate it. I said we're going to war. And when you go to war, you have a target. And the target to get rid of our temptation is whatever the source of that temptation is. I'm gonna tell y'all a silly story. When I was a, um, a young homeowner, I'm gonna say a story, you're gonna say, Al, you are an idiot. I was like 25 at the time, I was a baby, all right? When I was an early homeowner, um, we used to get ants in our house all the time. Every May, just be a trail of ants. And what I would do is, I would just spray the ants and live my life, just to be surprised that the ants came back. And live my life, yeah, someone laughed at me, don't laugh, it's not that funny. (laughs) Just to be surprised that the ants came back. Until after maybe three years of this, Don't judge me. After maybe three years of this, I wised up and said, you know what? What would happen if I truly just went outside and treated the source of all the ant problems? And guess what? Once I treated the source of all the ants' problem, I miraculously had no more ants in my house. The whole point of this is the only way you can truly defeat your target is to attack it at its source. Even... Even... If you can justify the relationship, even if it's not that bad, Jesus says, even your good eye, throw it out. War is not neat. War is messy. Sacrifices are made and tough choices will occur. In order to win the battle of temptation, lose the source of your temptation. Now I want you to remember what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, if something causes you to sin, just navigate around it. Jesus didn't say, it's not that bad, just as long as you do it in moderation. Jesus didn't say, well, if you mean well, you're in the clear. Jesus says, gouge it out, cut it off, cut off the temptation. Lose the source, even if it's your stronger hand. Because we are not only judged by our actions, we are judged by our hearts. Jesus gave us a bold strategy to win a war that plays out on the inside. We want to do what's right, but we inevitably do what's wrong. Run away from your sin. Throw away your sin. Now, here's the thing, and this, I'm talking to myself, a lot of times when we sin, it's to fill a void. It's because something is missing, and we tend to fill that missing part with stuff that feels good. Stuff ain't perfect. So since stuff ain't perfect the way I want it to be, well, I'll just find these substitutions That make me feel better in the meantime. My prayer for you all, fill that void with God's power, fill that void with the Holy Spirit, fill that void with prayer, fill that void with prayer. You need something tangible, me saying Jesus Christ is the answer is not good enough, fill the void with prayer. If you are truly struggling getting away from your temptation, understand God can get you through it. And if if you're like, I can't do it, and I've tried, and I tried, I feel you, I understand. Let God help you fill that void. Ask God to help increase your resolve. Pray for God's help to get you away from whatever temporary, and I do mean temporary, fleeting, worldly desire you may be chasing. Because what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? I'm going to leave you with this question. Is there anything worth more than your soul? Amen. If you're able to, please stand as we say the Lord's Prayer as we affirm our belief with the way Jesus taught us. Altogether, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.